Welcome to Contrast. Richard Bennett, converted Catholic priest, now evangelist, presents Contrast. Your comments and questions will be greatly appreciated. Permission is given to record and copy the entire message. And now, here is Richard Bennett. And today I'm really happy to have with me in the studio Sandy Carson. Sandy, like myself, had been a Roman Catholic priest and had discovered biblical truth. And today, Sandy, I'd like to ask you what is most of all in my own heart, wanting to share the good news of Christ Jesus, what you see as the salvation message in the Bible, how we are right before a holy God. Well, uh, Richard, uh, thanks for having me here and to give me the opportunity to talk about a wonderful salvation in Jesus Christ. Um, of course, the book of Romans is the great theological treatise on salvation, that salvation is by, by the grace of God through our faith. And uh, I think that um, uh, one person's favorite s- scripture might be that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son uh, to save uh, those who are lost, uh, as it says, that's John 3:16. But uh, and that's a, that's of course a verse that's favorite to all of us. But I think that probably my most favorite verse in the whole Bible is Romans 1:16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's the good news of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, uh, so salvation is a, a question of believing what God has done for us, what Jesus, uh, God's only begotten Son, has done for us. And to believe means to trust in and to rely upon. So our whole confidence, as far as salvation, eternal salvation, uh, uh, is concerned, our whole confidence is in what Jesus Christ has done in our behalf. Uh, uh, We rely upon him totally. Uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the good news of salvation, the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Salvation is the result of the grace of God, of the ability of God, of the power of God. In fact, in Ephesians it says, chapter 2 says that it is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift, not by any work that no man may boast. It's not a work, it's a gift. It's wrought by the grace of the power of God. It says here in Romans 1.16, For the Jew first and also for the Greek. That's the, uh, how the message came, how uh, the salvation message came chronologically. It came first to the Jew, then to the Greek. It was some years, if I'm not mistaken, it was some 30 years uh, after Christianity first began uh, before uh, uh, salvation was preached to the Gentiles. It was preached first to the Jews. And uh, then, then in uh, Antioch, it began to reach the Gentiles. First for the Jew then also for the Greek or the Gentiles, for in it, for in it, in what? In, the, in this good news of salvation, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The, 
what it means to be in, uh, in right relationship with God. That is revealed from faith to faith, or it begins with faith and it ends with faith, as, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Salvation is a matter of, of faith, of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a personal thing. Every man is saved for himself. We can't be saved for somebody else. Nobody else can be saved for us. It's a, uh, a matter of repentance from our past sins, of a turning away from our past sins and believing on what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, did for us at Calvary, a complete reliance upon Him. Yes, Sandy, but um, you were brought up as I was brought up, even though in different parts of the world. What about what we learned in the Roman church when we were young about offering things up and doing sacrifices and doing penance is that not a part of being holy? Salvation is not a matter of good works or, or, or offering things up salvation is a matter of, of being justified freely by the grace of God because we accept uh, what, what, what Jesus did in our behalf at Calvary and we do good works because uh, once saved, then we begin to produce the fruit of salvation, which is which is the good works. But to offer things up as a penance, uh, some kind of a penance to to make ourselves worthy to God to to balance out the bad things that we've done, is a denial, really, of the all sufficiency of salvation through Jesus Christ the Calvary because uh, according to Isaiah 53 uh, he bore all our iniquities he bore all our sins in himself he paid the the entire total absolute uh, all time penalty for the sins of every man he bore our sins in his body and so all the good works in the world are uh, totally useless to achieving salvation because that was won for us by Jesus Christ and it is a gift of God. Uh, salvation is not a payoff for works well done. It's a gift received in response to our faith. Uh, uh, here Paul is, uh, uh, is speaking to a very religious group of people, the Jews. And he says in Romans 3.21, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Uh, a right relationship with God uh, has always been apart from doing good works. Good works are the result of righteousness with God. But, and if our salvation is a, uh, a matter of being uh, uh, welcomed into heaven because we've done all these penances and so forth, then it's a payoff and not a gift. And that contradicts the Scripture, which makes it abundantly clear that our salvation in Jesus Christ is the gift of God. Yes, I see that, what you're saying. And by God's grace, I came to see that myself. But for the one listening there who yearns to be saved, can you explain how we could make ourselves um, humble or ready to receive God's Word how can we make ourselves the good soil where God's word will take root and where this gift can be given to us? Okay, well, first of all, I don't think salvation uh, has to be a, a difficult thing. Uh, 
the main thing is that we humble ourselves before God and recognize that we are a sinner. Uh, 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 if we don't recognize the fact that we are a sinner, then we don't see our need for a Savior. I think one way that, that we can prepare ourselves for salvation is to go over the Ten Commandments. And I defy anybody to say that they've always kept all the commandments of God. And we all know that we've all uh, disobeyed uh, uh, some or other, or perhaps all, of the Ten Commandments, and which places us in the column of being a sinner. And so we need to be relieved of our sin and forgiven of our sin and uh, delivered of our sin. And the only way, according to the Bible, is to come to uh, salvation in, uh, in Jesus Christ. So we need to repent of our sins. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot say our religion will not save us. Doing all the holy things, going all through all the holy motions will not save us. We need to repent. We need to have a change of heart to turn away from our sins and call upon the name of the Lord. And the scripture says, he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Praise God. This is really, really warming my heart. And I want to say for those who knew me in Trinidad that when I had come to the United States, and when I had seen these things by God's grace, it was then providential that I heard Sandy Carson's own message. And what he is explaining to you now that it is by grace only, that it's the gift of God, and it's by humbling your heart before him that you get saved. And it's simple because it's God's work in you. It was things like this that I heard from Sandy that really confirmed my own faith biblically in Christ Jesus. So I'm so grateful to have Sandy here with me in the studio today. Uh, Sandy, how then do you give thanks and glory to God after you're saved and how does one live the life of being born again? Okay, let me preface that by saying for the, the radio listener here that... Uh, uh, if you repent of your sins and turn away from your sins, it's an easy matter to receive Jesus Christ into your heart. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's the promise of God. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So you can just kneel right down by the radio and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. Lord Jesus, I believe in that you died for me at Calvary. You paid the full price for my sins. I believe that you're risen from the dead. Come, Lord Jesus, into my heart. I receive you, Lord Jesus, into my heart, into my life, into my being uh, as my Lord and my Savior. And I receive the forgiveness of my sins. And I know that I belong to you and I am a Christian. Uh, just let the Holy Spirit lead you in a in a simple act of faith. And then, once you are saved, then God actually lives in you. The living God, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Ghost, they live. They they actually live in you. And uh, you will receive the ability for a life-changing experience after life-changing experience. And you begin to uh, read the Bible. You begin to fellowship with other Christian believers. You begin to receive Bible teaching. You begin to pray. You begin to allow yourself to be convicted by the Holy Spirit when you see certain things in your life that you know displease God. And He will bring you along 
gradually from infancy to maturity so you'll walk as a son of, of the living God. I really thank you, Stanley Carson, for being with me today. You have shared a message that warms my own heart and I pray that the one listening will also hear the word of the Lord, repent and truly be born again to the praise and glory of God's name. Today I'm happy again to have with me Sandy Carson, who like myself was a Roman Catholic priest and found biblical truth. Sandy, today I would like to read Hebrews chapter 7 from verse 24 going up to chapter 8 verse 2 talking about Jesus Christ. But this man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercessions for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens we have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens Jesus Christ the high priest how do you Sandy deal with the high priesthood of Christ seeing that you yourself did call yourself in the past a priest Right. Well, I call myself in the past a priest, uh, which really was uh, not the right term uh, because I, I identified myself and my ministry with the priesthood of Jesus Christ, that I was an altar Christus, uh, which in Latin, uh, translated from the Latin means another Christ, which is quite uh, a claim and uh, quite an uh, really... Uh, what shall I say, an outlandish claim, uh, we have a high priest. We have a priest uh, who is Jesus Christ, and we need no other priest. Not, and there's no need for any group of men trying to emulate him. He is all-sufficient uh, by himself. Uh, the book of Hebrews shows how the priesthood of Jesus Christ, how the whole ministry of Jesus Christ is far superior to that of Moses or the prophets or angels and so forth, and um, how his sacrifice is the greatest of all sacrifices. It says in Hebrews 7.24, But he, that's Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Jesus' priesthood has never changed. It has never ended. It is an eternal priesthood. Therefore, there is really no need for any group of earthly men to uh, take his place on earth and to continue his priesthood on earth. Uh, uh, he is the only priest. He has an unchangeable priesthood. as an eternal priesthood. Nothing can uh, be part of it or take his place. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Jesus, because he is an eternal priest, has an unchangeable priesthood, because he has offered the sacrifice of, of a reconciliation, he can save you wherever you are. It says he saves unto the uttermost. That means wherever you are. You may feel so far from God, so utterly hopeless in the most far out regions of the earth, but he can save you. 
uh, he's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not daily need as though high priest, as those, as a Jewish priest, to offer up sacrifices for his, for his own sins and for the people's. For this, he did once for all when he offered up himself. Jesus offered one sacrifice for all, for all time, for all sin, for all sinners. And so there's no need of any other sacrifice. And this is what the Lord really revealed to me of being a Roman Catholic priest. Uh, I was continuing to offer the Mass daily, which is a uh, continuation of Calvary. And uh, But Jesus is not in the ministry of continuing his sacrifice because it says right here, he did it once for all when he offered himself. In fact, the Bible said he ever lives to make in, uh, now to make intercession for us. So Jesus in no wise has any ministry of, of uh, offering sacrifice in the sense of Calvary. Um, so this passage challenged me about my own <clears throat> priesthood because to offer the Mass, which was to continue Calvary on the face of the earth, uh, that was the very heart of my ministry and the main reason why I was ordained a priest. And that was not according to Scripture. And my very priesthood was not according to Scripture. Uh, I, so, uh, reading on, Hebrews 10, verse 10, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. He, just get this, that he offered his, himself once, not, not uh, continually uh, through the ages for 2,000 years. And every priest, verse 11, stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. That's the, the Jewish priest of the Old Testament. And, and the Bible here is comparing Jesus' priesthood um, and showing that it's a better priesthood. But this man, that's Jesus. Now get this. Now listen carefully. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, underline that, forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And when the priest sits down, the sacrifice is over. And he had offered one sacrifice forever. He sat down. For by, verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So Calvary is effective for you today because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And verse 18, there is no longer any sacrifice or any offering for sin. So Jesus offered himself once for all. He is our only high priest making intercession for us, having already on a one-time basis offered the sacrifice that was sufficient to cover all our sins and bring us into righteousness with God. Yeah, I have one question to ask you, Sandy, and that is, it says that we have a royal priesthood. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him. Does the Bible not in fact say that there is a priesthood, a royal priesthood? Yes, all of God's children who are really born again and, and have been clothed with the robe of the righteousness of Jesus, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, we are priests. Uh, uh, our ministry 
is that having access to God, you see, if you study the whole history of priesthood, even in the Old Testament, only the priests had direct access to God. And But a born-again person, that, all those Old Testament priesthoods were, were uh, types of the New Testament uh, priesthood. All Christians have direct access to God. And every priest offers a sacrifice, but it's not the Mass, it's not to do with Calvary, it's the spiritual sacrifices of praise and worship before the throne of God uh, with, to whom we have access. Uh, as the curtain was opened in the temple, when G- at the moment Jesus died, revealing the holy place of God, that shows that all believers in, in Calvary have direct access to the presence of God. So we are all priests, but, we, but only Jesus offered the sacrifice of Calvary. Yes, uh, what you say brings to mind Hebrews 10:19, those wonderful words. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. When you're born again of God, through the blood of Christ Jesus, you have access into the holy, holiest place before God's throne. And the famous uh, saying in um, Paul's letters um, to Timothy there is only one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus we have only one mediator that's Christ Jesus and through his blood we praise, worship and adore the Father can you say a word of praise and worship to God for your own salvation and how you really want to rejoice before God as your Savior in Christ Jesus Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you, Lord God, and I praise you, Lord Jesus, for saving me by your grace, Lord, in my darkest hour of desperation, Lord. I called out to you, you'll call upon the name of the Lord, I'll be saved, and you saved me, O Lord. You, You saved me right where I was, because I put all my trust in you and all my hope in you. I repented of my sins, and I asked you to forgive me. And I said that I would serve you for the rest of my life and you would be my Lord and your Savior. And I thank you for the wonderful peace and the wonderful assurance and the wonderful forgiveness that you gave me in that hour. And I know now that only you could save me for no man can save himself. And I thank you, Lord. Lord, you answered that prayer, uh, crying out to you for salvation. And you answered that prayer. And Lord, you have answered many prayers since then. But you answered that one. And for that, I praise you the most. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, and that really spoke to me when Sandy was praying and saying that God's will is that all should be saved. And when you cry out to God for the grace, it says that He is faithful. He is faithful to hear. He is faithful to hear and to give. And He is faithful to cleanse us from all sin. So the good news is that God desires your salvation. Get before Him. Ask for the grace that is His that He would cause you to be regenerate, to be born again. And give Him the praise and glory all the days of your life as you've just heard Sandy Carson say. If you want to get Sandy Carson's testimony of coming to biblical faith, simply write to me and I will send it. And by the way, thank you for all the letters that you're sending. It is a delight to my heart and I reply to each personally. 
the final word is to praise and glorify Christ Jesus he is unique he is the image of the invisible God he is the one in whom all things exist each week we speak of salvation but it's the same Jesus Christ in whom all things were created so when you look out at the beautiful flowers the vegetation that is so lush there in Trinidad know that it is in Christ Jesus that all things exist Colossians chapter 1 from verses 15 to 17 all things were created by him and for him he is before all things and by him all things consist glory be to him Christ Jesus the Lord thanks for listening if the Lord touches you we'd love to hear from you visit our website at www.bereanbeacon.org goodbye and God bless you This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www swrb.com We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com by phone at 780-450-3730 by fax at 780-468-1096 or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue Edmonton that's E-D- M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said 
that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.